The second scripture is from the second chapter of John, verses 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out of coins of money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for our, your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can I show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy the temple, and in three days I will rise up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will rise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for today, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. About 1,400 years before the birth of Jesus, Moses led his fellow Jews from their slavery in Egypt on to the promised land in Palestine. Now they wandered in the desert for 40 years between Egypt and Palestine. And while they were wandering around in the desert, God commanded them to build what was called the tabernacle. It was also called the tent of meeting. And God gave uh, Moses exact dimensions on how large this tent should be and how it should be put together. And the main thing that was inside, there were many different things inside this tabernacle or tent of meeting, but uh, the main thing was the Ark of the Covenant. And inside uh, this uh, rectangular box, there was uh, the, uh, the Ten Commandments that were written by the hand of God. Uh, there was uh, Aaron's rod that budded. It was a stick that actually budded, even though it was not planted in the ground. And there was some manna that uh, God gave to the people each morning to feed them there in the desert. Now during the day, there was a cloud over the tabernacle. And at night, there was a pillar of fire that stood over it. When the cloud moved, the people moved with it. That's when they knew it was time to move to a new location. And when that cloud stopped, the people stopped. So this, uh, this cloud and the fire at night were physical, was physical manifestations of the very presence of God among his chosen people. They didn't create the cloud. They didn't create the pillar of fire. It was just there as a manifestation of God's glory. So they 
went on through the desert to the Jordan River and he looked across the river to Palestine, the promised land. And God told them to cross the river and to conquer the people there. To conquer them, take their land, take their houses, take their possessions, and make them their own. Now there in Palestine, the Ark of the Covenant for hundreds of years continued to stay within this tent, uh, this, this tabernacle. But then finally, during the reign of King Solomon, the third king of Israel, a temple was built, a beautiful temple. And of course, the Ark of the Covenant was the main thing inside the temple. It was a place for prayer. It was a place for worship of the Lord God. But the presence and the glory of God surrounded the Ark inside the temple. So again, there is this physical manifestation of the glory of God around the ark. The cloud that had hovered over the tabernacle in the desert was now in the temple that King Solomon had built. Now, of course, the temple became the very heart of Jewish identity because, again, they believed that God's presence was there in a very unique and very wonderful way. Sadly though, so very sadly, the Israelites rebelled against God's authority. And the Babylonians came and conquered the city, destroyed that beautiful temple that Solomon had built. And this all happened about 500 years before the birth of Jesus. The Ark of the Covenant disappeared, was either destroyed or carried away. Now, some have claimed they have found the ark, but there's no real reason to believe that they have. The temple that Jesus ministered in and preached in began to be, began to be built by King Herod long before Jesus was born. In our scripture reading today, the Jewish leaders talk about the temple still being under construction after 46 years of work on it. So we read here how upset Jesus was when he saw that the temple was being used for things that God never ever intended for the temple to be used. They were selling animals that would be slaughtered there, sacrificed there in the temple. They were charging these exorbitant prices because a lot of Jews came from a very long distance and they couldn't really bring a sheep or a goat or a, um, a cow or whatever, an ox or whatever, a long distance. So they had to travel there and then they had to buy the animals there. And again, they were, they were charged exorbitant prices. And then there were these money changers. Well, what was that about? Well, you might have Greek money or Roman money but to pay the temple tax, the half shekel, you had to pay in Hebrew money. So they changed your Greek money, your Roman money, into Hebrew money so you could pay the temple tax. Well, Jesus was so upset. Now, we, we don't think of Jesus being this way, but he was this way. He overturned the tables of the money changers. He drove out the animals after making a whip. And the disciples remembered 
in the book of Psalms, it says, zeal for your house will consume me. And that's what happened with Jesus. Jesus knew how important the temple was to God and how important it should be to every Jew. His indignation that the temple had become a marketplace came out in a very hot, bold, physical way. Now, some Jews came to Jesus and they basically say, hey, wait a second, what are you doing? By what authority do you, what right do you have to do what you're doing, to upset these tables and cause all this trouble and, and cause all these animals to uh, go out of the temple and your, your behavior is outrageous. So what, what, who are you? What authority do you claim uh, to, to do this. So Jesus said, okay, I'll tell you. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, of course, they thought Jesus was talking about this huge building that they were working on. And they said, look, we've been constructing this building for 46 years, and you say that if it's destroyed, you will raise it up, you will rebuild it in three days? Now, of course, they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about his body being the temple. And it was only later the disciples didn't understand. It was only later when Jesus was raised from the dead that the disciples understood that Jesus was not talking about the building. He was talking about the body, his body, being raised from the dead. You see, Jesus was the temple among his fellow Jews. His body had within it the Spirit of God in all of its fullness, all of its fullness. Jesus' body was the temple that housed the Ark of God, the Ark from heaven, the Holy Spirit, was within Jesus in full measure. Now, although King Solomon's temple was destroyed and the temple that Jesus preached in was going to be destroyed about 30 years later, 70 AD, the Romans destroyed the temple where Jesus preached, God would not allow the living temple housing his spirit in his fullness to be destroyed or to be forgotten. That temple was raised up in three days after being placed in a tomb. The good news is that those of us who give ourselves to Jesus Christ, who live with Him as our Savior and Lord, we have what He had. We have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, even as Jesus was. The difference is that the Holy Spirit dwelt in its fullness within Jesus. That's not true for me. That's not true for you. The Holy Spirit does not dwell in His fullness in our lives. We have a portion of the presence of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus had the Holy Spirit's presence in, in its fullness. So I may say, you may say, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, destroy this temple, but it will be raised up. Destroy this temple, but it will be raised up. We're all going to die 
someday. Some of us will be buried in the ground. Some of us will be cremated. But God promises to raise our bodies up as immortal, incorruptible, holy bodies, bodies just like Jesus' resurrected body. We must live so that the presence of God, the glory of God, shines forth from our bodies as God's glory shone forth from the temple and from the body of Jesus. Jesus was the living temple of God, and in him we too may be living temples of God. From one temple have come many temples. An old friend of mine many years ago shared a, a story with me about the presence of the Holy Spirit in his mother's life that I've never forgotten. I've been encouraged every time I think about this account because we can sometimes be very disappointed with life. We can be very disheartened with what happens in life. We can have terrible things happen to us. But the Holy Spirit wants to help us to know how to respond when very hard things happen to us. So my friend shared how as a boy, he remembered so well, his mother worked really hard one summer canning fruit and vegetables. And she put up all of these jars of canned goods on shelves in her basement there in Pennsylvania. And he remembers so well looking at his mother and she was wiping her hands on her apron and she was looking at all of those jars, tens of jars, that she had put up in her basement on those shelves. She was finally done, finished. She was so pleased with the work that she had accomplished. But then suddenly, out of nowhere, a neighborhood boy came running into their house and he slammed the kitchen door so hard it shook the whole house. He came running down the, the cellar steps. And as he came down those steps, all of those shells began to fall in on themselves. The jars smashing down upon each other. <clears throat> and the boy shouted out, My mother, she's fallen. I can't wake her up. She won't talk to me. Please help me. Help my mother. Help my mother. So my pastor friend's mother, she took one quick glance at all the broken glass, the scattered fruit and vegetables, and then she ran with the boy to his mother's side. She said nothing about her canning to the boy or to his family members. She was focused on helping her neighbor, not on the calamity that had just happened to her family. This is the Holy Spirit. This is being a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is loving our neighbor as we want our neighbor to love us, even in the face of a terrible experience. This is the glory of God shining forth from the life of a Christian disciple. Mark Guy Pierce speaks sharply about our need to let the power of the Holy Spirit be released by faith in our lives. He writes this, There is one 
thing more pitiful, almost worse than even cold, black, miserable atheism. <clears throat> to kneel down and say, our Father, and then to get up and live an orphaned life. To stand and say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and then to go fretting and fearing, saying with a thousand tongues, I believe in the love of God, but it is only in heaven. I believe in the power of God, but it stops short at the stars. I believe in the providence of God, but it is limited to the saints in Scripture. I believe that the Lord reigns only, only with reference to some far-off time with which we have nothing to do. That all is more insulting to our Heavenly Father, more harmful to the world, more cheating to ourselves than to have no God at all. May we live as Jesus lived, temples of our Creator and our Redeemer. As it was clear to the Jews that God's presence and power filled the tabernacle and the temple, as it was clear to Jesus' disciples and others that God's presence and power filled Jesus' life, may it be clear to those who see and hear us that God's presence, God's power, fills our lives as well. Amen. Amen.